Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Daily Gopher Sky U podcast. With me today, I am you straight. With me today is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. We got the axe back, baby. To get the axe back. And Blake, Iowa Gopher. Happy to be here. You should be happy to be here. In fact, generally, I think we're happy to be here. We're happy to have you with us as always. We're particularly happy this week because the University of Minnesota retains, as Andy mentioned, Paul Bunyan's axe. Andy, you were, in fact, one of our men on the ground in Madison, Wisconsin. Can you describe the Wisconsin postgame for us? Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty fun. Um, the one thing that we can all be bitter at with Wisconsin is, is they got rid of a lot of the really good places where fans can get down to the field since they did that whole, you know, multi-million dollar redo of their, uh, of their end zone opposite the student section there. So that's all premium seating. So, you know, in 2018, we were down first row right there behind the end zone. It could get up close. Um, this one, you basically shunted to the corners. So um, we were we were uh, in a much uh, less opportune place to both touch the X and, and hang out with some of the players post-game. But um, anyways, no, it was, it was good. Um, you know, it was, it was the typical progression of, all right, do we got this? To I don't know, to yes, to no, to... You know, we started out, we were up in the upper deck, um, and then right after the uh, the Brockington touchdown, we decided to head down, and we got down to the top of the lower concourse right as Wally got the interception, so we're like, okay, we're feeling good, and then we went down to one of the corners trying to think we could get close to the tunnel, and we couldn't, and that's when Trickett missed the field goal. Um, so then we ran over to one of the opposite corners, and we did get down pretty close to the field there and had a uh, really good view in the corner of the end zone of the uh, Wisconsin drive in the last you know 30 seconds or so uh, all four passes you know were right towards us so um yeah it was uh, it was pretty good it was uh, you know an exciting feeling um you know winning the axe is, is great um you know a lot of the players families seem to be over by us uh, trey potts came over mario sorry marin came over and actually hopped the fence to go up and give somebody a hug uh not more than about five or ten feet from us so um it's a lot of fun being on the ground when the Badgers win in, in or when the Gophers beat the Badgers in Madison. Uh, you know, we now have got that twice in the last four years. Um, so, yeah, I, I could get used to this feeling. Uh, I don't expect it's going to last, uh, you know, 15, 16 years in a row like uh, like Wisconsin did to us. But uh, I will I will take two straight road games we can be at where we uh, we shut out the uh, Wisconsin fans and, and celebrate postgame. Blake, I'm sure you want to talk a lot about the most important stat of the game, which was Mark Crawford averaging more than 40 yards a punt. Well, first I just want to say, <clears throat> just disappointed that Mariano Story Marin didn't leap the um, into the stands and hug Andy. It's just I, this was going to be his last opportunity to get that hug from Mariano Story Marin since he'll graduate after the bowl game. But um, just disappointed in that first and foremost. But yeah, Mark Crawford, 
uh, just uh, I don't know what the best word to describe it is. He's just determined to be you know average. Just like you, you need 60 yard or 50 yard punt from him, you're gonna get 40. If you need 30 yard punt from him, it's probably gonna be you know 20. It's just it's just he always just right below that bar of what you need. Um, and it's just it, I mean, it was an interesting game special teams-wise because they didn't do anything. <laughs> the special teams didn't really do anything to help them, I'll say that. Um, but then on defense, too, like you look at Wisconsin, they had three sacks and eight tackles for loss, and Minnesota had zero sacks and zero tackles for loss, and yet Minnesota's defense fared better than Wisconsin's um, just because of explosive plays. Like you saw, like, you know, Ethan Kethick Manas brought the passing game alive, and I think they had four pass catchers all with at least i think um or three or four three passes catchers each with like 86 yards receiving which is unfathomable this season um with this team so it's just there's such a thing as a bad win over wisconsin there's a, i mean every win over wisconsin is good so um i don't think i mean as andy mentioned there was they had a long winning streak over minnesota i don't remember any wisconsin fans saying all oh, these games don't mean anything they were talking it up so i mean as far as i'm concerned good win i always take one over wisconsin you know as andy said it could have done without the chaotic final minutes um that although they did end sort of uh, in, in comic fashion with um the i think it was four false starts by wisconsin and a holding penalty so um i guess you know knowing the outcome it was an impressively poor showing from the wisconsin players in regard penalties and things that they are not allowed to do on a field you mentioned Ethan Calicmanis, who will presumptively be the Gophers' starting quarterback for as long as he's playing in college, based on the Tanner Morgan years that we've had so far. Calicmanis, you said 1929 for 319, two touchdowns. Assess how excited you are for him leading the offense next year. I mean, I don't think I've seen a passing performance like that since maybe Penn State, Tanner Morgan, and when you know he just kind of threw over the field to Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman. Um, it was, especially for a redshirt freshman, it was, it was just a fantastic performance. I think one play that really stood out to me was, um, I think it was early in the fourth quarter, maybe second and ten, and you know I think Wisconsin. Um, had rushed five and two guys were bearing down on Ethan and he just fired up one off into um, Brevin span forward um, in the middle of the field and a gain of like 15 yards. Um, it just, just a throw like that off your back feet with rushes in your face um, is so impressive from a quarterback making his, I think fourth career start. Um, and I mean, also he also has to factor in, the wide receiver performance. I mean, Dalen Wright had a great game. Daniel Jackson had, you know, that unbelievable catch down the sideline. You know, Brevin Sport was, you know, finding that safety valve. We were hoping he'd become in the passing game. Um, we just had a lot of big catches in, in big moments and, and getting first downs and moving the chains. So, um, honestly, just a really the, one of the most impressive quarterback performances we've seen in, in quite some time. And, you know, with all due respect to Tanner Morgan, we all know that his ceiling is limited and Athens, you know, as far as physical gifts go, he's just has a higher ceiling than Tanner. And I think um, it's going to be really interesting to see this offense next season, especially without Muhammad Ibrahim. He's been, you know, kind of a once in a generation back. And I mean, I understand why the offense has leaned on him because when you have a back like that, you can consistently get yards. Like you're going to do that. But next season, I think they're going to need to be more balanced and um, hopefully they'll just let Athens sling it more than they have um, with Tanner Morgan. Andy, I assume that you're here to, in addition to your normal regular slot on this podcast, that you're also here to apologize for being the reason why Moe's streak was finally broken at 70 yards. So uh, I'm happy to hear you gravel about that. But also, as Blake mentioned, 
Mo has been a generational back in many ways. In your lifetime as a University of Minnesota fan, Andy, how many running backs do you think are better than he was? Uh, better? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I think you could make the argument that it's possibly two, um, and that would be the double-headed Barber and Maroney attack of the early 2000s. Um, Mo is just different, though. I mean... Hold on, no Daryl Thompson, though? Oh, I guess, I guess technically, if we're talking my lifetime, yes, Daryl Thompson was alive during my lifetime. My fandom, I'm a, I'm, DT was when I was like seven, so I guess okay. fair enough. I do, I do have to give DT uh, a, a credit for that one. That that one counts. Um, I incidentally do not put Daryl Thompson above Bo Ibrahim. See, it's tough because I all I've got are random clips to look at Daryl. I never actually watched him play. I've just seen clips, so I can't, I can't accurately make a comparison um but mo is just an entirely different back from both barber and maroney uh the running styles are 100 percent different um i would make the argument that i can't think of another gopher running back that has the vision of muhammad ibrahim um just his ability to turn what 99 other percent of the backs in the country would be losing three or four yards on into no gain or two yards um you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna miss that significant ability next year, um, no matter who we have back there at running back, because none of the people on the roster, even bring it in, probably have that type of of talent just yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've we've rid him down the stretch, and you can make the argument. I mean, the Gophers rode Maroney and Barber in, in that time period too. Um, that you know, he's put up he's put up numbers that nobody's seen. I mean, he's he's tied with Gary Russell right now for the touchdown record. I assume they're going to do absolutely everything they can to, to get him that 20th touchdown in the bowl game. Um, you know, granted, Barber and Maroney were, were splitting carries a lot of the time, um, so nobody really had the chance to break that individual record. But, um, no, I, I I think you can... You can very easily put up a, a gopher running back in the modern era, Mount Rushmore, and throw Thompson, Maroney, Barber, and Moe on it with, you know, Rodney Smith not far behind. And and you can, you know, uh, Marion Barber II probably is, is up there as well, you know, before you go back to the to the early, you know, running backs, obviously, Bruce Smith, etc. But if we're talking about, you know, the modern era of football, I think it's it's a fairly, uh, fairly easy and obvious uh, four to throw on there and, and go for running backs. I agree with you that there hasn't been a running back outside of perhaps Barber and Maroney who had the vision that Mo does. And I think a lot of what encapsulates how impressive he's been is that because of his running style and because of his lack of, to be honest, just utter top end, you know, that seventh year, what differentiates him as a recruit? Why did he go to Minnesota as opposed to, say, Ohio State? Well, that was the reason. It's the reason why he was, I think, a three-star in high school instead of a four- or a five-star. just didn't have that kind of final burst. And that is unfortunate for his ultimate pro aspirations. But for the University of Minnesota, that lack of a top-end burst is probably the biggest gift that P.J. Flex staff ever got because if he had 
that gear he would have left two years ago. His vision of taking not just negative plays and turning them to zero two game, but taking two yard gains and turning it into nine, 10, 12. His ability to read the zone so well, some of that probably has been playing a long time in, in the same system, but just reading that outside zone so incredibly well and knowing not only this is where I'm putting my foot in the dirt for this cut, but also I'm going to cut in here as opposed to somewhere else. There are little pockets of space. His low running style, incredibly strong, such that it usually takes one to two dudes to just like sort of slow him up. And in order to tackle him frequently, it was two, three, four. And if he got into the sort of secondary, got through the front seven, regularly three to five guys necessary to finally bring him down. That is an utterly special talent, and we are greatly gifted to see him. The record of 100 uh, strike games with 100 yards is one of the most impressive running running accomplishments I've seen in my lifetime, precisely because this Wisconsin game is a good example of just how hard it is to do that when everyone is keen in, as Blake mentioned. Blake, I'm not going to ask you to pine for uh, Mo Ibrahim, but instead I would like you to pine for other players who received all Big Ten mentions. Which of these players do you think was slotted correctly, and who's been snubbed? Well, I think obviously Mohamed Ibrahim um, was accordingly made first team uh, all Big Ten, along with John Michael Smith. I have no issue with any of those. Um, I was a little bit surprised with the offensive line. I know I, I honestly wasn't expecting Axel Rutschmeyer or Chuck Filianga, both offensive guards, to make um, any of the teams. They both showed up in, in third team, and that's fine with me. Um, obviously, Ariane Terrasseri and Quinn Carroll both made honorable mention. I think many Gopher fans would have issues with maybe Quinn Carroll being even honorable mention, but I'll leave that to them to discuss. Um, I think the, the one most surprising ones is probably... Brevin Span Ford being um, all Big Ten honorable mention. Um, he was, you know, for much of the year, probably I, I, he lost the lead in interceptions by the end of the year, Daniel Jackson. But to me, he was just their most consistent target in the passing game. I mean, even when they didn't have much of a passing game, the balls were going to him. Um, I think the reason he probably ended up in honorable mention is, is product of, you know, Minnesota going away from the passing game so frequently and um, not targeting him enough. Um, but um, it is what it is. I don't think it's an egregious um, snub. I, I they would have liked to have seen it maybe at a minimum third team. I don't know, a second team might have been pushing it. Um, I'm probably obviously very biased, but that's just the way it is. Then that's that's the offense, offense side of the ball on defense. We had Tyler Newbin who made um, second team all Big Ten. That's fine. That's fine. There's probably better safety. It's probably bigger, more eye-popping numbers in the Big Ten for first team. So second team is fine. Mariano Story Marin was third team. Um, by the coaches that a number they had nine different gophers made out of mention. I think the one that I would have liked to have seen maybe third team is cornerback, you know, Terrell Smith. I thought he had an outstanding year. He was just quietly awesome for lack of a better word. And, and like, you know, we've talked, I've talked on the blog before about his story. Like he, you know, stuck at a, he was a freshman starter, kind of lost the starting position um, a couple different times throughout his career, but stuck it out, came back for um, a fifth year, and I think possibly played his way into um, an NFL roster spot, maybe even a late-round draft pick. So um, we'd have liked to have seen him recognized, but um, yeah, I guess we can't have everything. But um, yeah, really beyond that, I was overall pretty satisfied with 
those selections. I, I, yeah, which like I've seen more love maybe for Brevin Spanford or Terrell Smith. Yeah, I mean for for Smith, uh, he also earned a invite to the uh, East West Bowl uh, earlier today, so he'll be he'll be in one of those you know postseason scouting uh, scouting games. I do think he has a lot of of uh, Chris Williamson in him. Just you know, senior year riser, really sort of showing off. And, and you know, Williamson, if you remember, ended up sneaking into the seventh round, getting selected by the Giants. Now he didn't really do much for an NFL career, but you know, I think he could be one of those players that were sort of like you know, fringe, fringe, and could sneak into the uh, to the late rounds. Um, I'm going to disagree, disagree a little bit when you look at some of the numbers for Brevin Spanford. I think he got more than screwed. I think he probably deserves that 13th spot. Um, you know, who knows what numbers people are looking at when they're voting, and I think Blake's probably right when, you know, he probably didn't get uh, didn't get as much interest just because of the Gophers' passing game. But the fact, if you look at the, the run blocking, PFF run blocking grades, I think Spanford is the best run blocking tight end in the Big Ten. Now, admittedly, nobody's going to look at that. It's not flashy, but for a tight end, that's a that's an important part of a game. You're not you know you're not a wide receiver looking at your run blocking. Tight ends are expected to block, um, so I think that's that's you know a really undervalued part of his game that that could have come. And then if you look at who did get named to that third team, you know that's when I'm sure people are just like, well, let's just randomly look. It was the Ohio State tight end. It was the Michigan State tight end, or Michigan tight end. It was the Penn State tight end. That's where I think you started getting the the helmets getting the advantage of the the voting rather than Span Ford who probably actually deserved it. But uh, I don't want to sound too much like an Illinois fan here, uh, complaining and nitpicking because I mean in the long run, um, maybe it motivates Span Ford to uh, to come back for one more season rather than try the NFL this year and uh, come back and try and win first team honors uh, in 2023. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, to that, to that point, he did not participate in senior day um, for the Iowa game, which would suggest he's leaning towards coming back next year. But obviously, he can change his mind and doesn't he doesn't have to participate in senior day to come back. But I I hope I mean the preview we've gotten of the passing of Ethan Kalik Manis is obviously um, very exciting. There's no guarantee that's going to translate into you know a 12 game season next year with a with a, kind of a new starting offensive line and everything that goes into, you know, changing of the guard over the year for year. But, um, yeah, I think if he had the passing game had just been more consistent throughout the year, he might've gotten more attention. You know, he only ended up with just a couple touchdowns and I think 400 some receiving yards. But, um, yeah, I think you need to kind of hit them nail on the head when they get to third team. It's just like, uh, who, who can we throw in there? Well, you've reached the end of the regular season. Minnesota this year finished tied for second. Finished five and four, so they won't actually finish second with all of the tiebreakers. But overall record, finish tied for second. Win one game at either Iowa or Purdue, tie for first, and go through. Last season, they also finished tied for second. COVID year aside, year before that, they finished tied for first in the conference. They've yet to represent, or sorry, in the division, they've yet to represent the division because they consistently are losing on tiebreakers. 
for both of you, and we can start with Blake here, how do you think of this season in terms of overarching success? Do you think it's success? Do you think it's a disappointment? And if you think it's a disappointment, how do you explain to your gopher-loving fan of yourself of, say, 12 years ago that you should be really disappointed finishing second in the division? I just don't think this this program is in a position to take eight win seasons for granted. Um, and I think two things can be true. I think you can say it was, I think you can say it was a good season, but a disappointing season. Like they, you know, they left some meat on the bone. There's they missed opportunities. Obviously, you know, you think particularly of the Purdue game, the Iowa game. If they just win that Purdue game, they're in the Big Ten championship. Um, obviously, I mean, we all know how I feel about the Iowa game. Uh, that one's going to haunt me for at least another year. Um, so the less said about that, the better. But uh, you know, people pointed out too. Well, you know, you won eight games, but you didn't beat anybody with a winning record. You know, your best win was six and six Wisconsin. That's fine. Um, I mean, you want you at least want to beat the teams that you should beat, um, which they did. Um, and I mean, they they just didn't beat the good teams. And I mean, that that's when you're eight and four. That's kind of the deal. Um, but then at the end of the day, they finished above 500 in the Big Ten, which is which is not nothing. They, you know, as you mentioned, they finished tied for second with Illinois and Iowa in the division. Um, overall, I mean, it's just, I would say it's a sad, it's a good season, but I mean, we obviously you just left, um, a little dissatisfied with those missed opportunities, but, um, but yeah, I think in that one and to end it with the winner against Wisconsin, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, there's no, just no such thing as a, a bad win over Wisconsin. So it's always good to kind of end the season on a positive note and, and take them down. And then with the bowl game, you have a chance at a ninth win, um, which is, you know, they finished nine and four. That's just, that's to me like an objectively good season. I think you, we just not in a position to take that for granted at this point. Andy, as Blake mentioned there, the Gophers are going to go to the bowl game. I'm interested in your thoughts, of course, on the season as well, but I'm also interested after you provide your thoughts on how excited everyone should be about the pinstripe bowl, which seems to be the most likely landing place as we record this on the 30th of November. Yeah, no, I, if I had to give a letter grade to the season, it'd probably be a solid B. Um, you know, overall, it was pretty good, had high moments, had low moments, um, and, you know, as you said, um, you know, you look at it back 10 years ago and you're like, how are we, how are we supposed to feel bad about an 8-4 and four regular season? But when you just look deeper and realize how close we were to getting over that hump for the second year in a row, just, you know, a few a few less idiotic plays, a few, you know, one less injury if Moe's not hurt for the Purdue game. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where you, you recognize that things went really well, but you recognize that, you know, you're just inches away from getting over that hump, and yet you keep getting to the top before sliding back down. So, um Hopefully one of these years we can get over it, although obviously with the realignment things get considerably harder here uh, after next year, and, and next year the schedule does us no favors. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely going to be a, a steep climb for the Gophers to get back into position where they were the last two years, but, um, you know, hopefully hopefully P.J. Fleck can continue to to change his best and grow, and we can continue to uh, to climb upwards and, and get the Gopher fans what they really want one of these years. Um as you said, speaking about bowls, the uh, the most interesting thing coming out of the you know the week before the bowl assignment, where everybody's sort of lobbying and swapping, is that it sounds like um, currently Ohio State, who's <coughs> excuse me ranked fifth in the college football playoff rankings, has pretty much gone to the Rose Bowl and said, uh, you should not pick us." 
Uh, the Buckeyes were in the Rose Bowl last year and apparently didn't sell out their allotment, and they're really worried that had they gone back to Pasadena this year, that would be even worse. So it sounds like um, Penn State, again, assuming Ohio State doesn't back their way into the playoff, which um, is still a possibility, Penn State will take the Rose Bowl slot, and Ohio State will move to the Orange Bowl. Uh, by doing that into the weird bowl calculus that everybody fits with their assigned slots and stuff like that, the uh, Big Ten loses their slot to the bowl formerly known as the Outback Bowl that's now the ReliaQuest Bowl to uh, either Notre Dame or an ACC team. So basically, it was an argument going into the, you know, after the Wisconsin win that, you know, Minnesota had a good shot at the at the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, or maybe even the Music City Bowl, and, uh, you know, it, it would just basically take leapfrogging an, an Illinois team or something like that to get to a little bit nicer bowl. Uh, now, when the Big Ten loses one of their, you know, peon bowl slots, not one of their top ones, it shoves everybody back, um... And you've got to figure that Purdue, by winning the West, is probably slotted into the remaining uh, New Year's Day Florida Bowl, so they'll go to the Citrus Bowl. Uh, so then basically it comes down to, to Dukes-Mayo between uh, and Music City, probably between Illinois or Iowa, although I saw, uh, I think the Big Ten really wants to get Maryland into that Dukes-Mayo slot so they can play uh, one of their former ACC rivals in that game. Um, but long story short, uh, Minnesota is damn near locked into the pinstripe. Um, when when the Big Ten extended the contract with the pinstripe bowl through 2025, they intended to try and continue uh, to keep in the language that the pinstripe was to take a new team for each year of the contract. This is apparently year eight of the contract, and they've been seven different teams in there before. So if you look at the teams that, in theory, are in the right zone to go to a potential bowl, that pretty much leaves Minnesota and Illinois as the only two possibilities. Um, the trick being is you can't drop Minnesota further back because they were in the guaranteed rate bowl last year, so that bowl is not open for Minnesota. So then you're not going to have Wisconsin leap them after after the Gophers beat Wisconsin. So I think, you know, looking objectively, I think Minnesota is pretty much locked into heading to uh, to New York City uh, for a 1 p.m. kickoff on, on Thursday, December 29th against a ACC school, which, uh, if you look at all the projections that have come out this week, appears it's going to probably be the Syracuse Orange. Can we talk about how much of a downgrade it is to go from the Outback Bowl to the ReliaQuest Bowl? I mean, that's just, that's so depressing. Yeah, no, it's 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 a brutal name change. I mean, obviously, Bulls have had illustrious name changes history and and yeah, going from going from the outback and the and the uh, you know coconut shrimp and the bloomin' onion and all that to I don't even know what the hell ReliaQuest is to be brutally honest. I have no idea if they're like an investment firm, if they're a real estate firm. I have no clue at all. Um, I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, I'm never going to do business with them. I don't know what they do. I, I don't care what it comes to. Based on this alone, I will never do business with them because they changed. They took away my Outback Bowl. I can tell you what ReliaQuest is, and for our listeners, we are not sponsored by them. Though to ReliaQuest, we are happy to be sponsored by you. They are a cybersecurity company that delivers predominantly threat detection, investigation, and response. They are based out of Tampa, Florida. So I either that should make you very, very excited about their ability to detect threats, or very not. If you've ever been to Tampa, could go either way. At least it's not Orlando. Uh... I'll take I'll take the threats. I'll take the threats. I don't need detection. No, I'll take it. 
the one thing that will be interesting when when all the bowls come out on Sunday is if you're into the into the Schadenfreude, uh, you know there there is one definite potential if if Maryland gets to stay at the Duke's Mayo game because they want that potential sellout in Charlotte against an ACC school. Um, Illinois is probably going to do what happened to Minnesota last year, where they probably should have been to at least a bowl two or three tiers better, uh, but they're going to end up in, in Phoenix in the guaranteed rate bowl. And uh, if you thought the Illinois fans were mad online about Chase Brown being snubbed for first team All Big Ten uh, for Mo Ibrahim, when uh, Minnesota goes to a bowl two tiers better than them, uh, it's, it's going to be fun to read, I'm not going to lie. Andy always here for the schadenfreude of Illinois fans and the ability to say words in German. The Gophers are going to the postseason in football, but the Gophers are also going to the postseason in volleyball. Blake has no idea what I'm talking about, but fortunately Andy does. Andy, can you give us a very quick breakdown of sort of early rounds that the University of Minnesota will be playing in volleyball? Yeah, so the uh, the NCAA tournament bracket was announced last Sunday night, and the Gophers, uh, probably by virtue of two huge road wins last weekend at uh, top 10 ranked Ohio State and Nebraska, uh, really solidified their spot. They ended up getting the number eight national seed, uh, the number two seed in the Texas bracket, Texas the <coughs> number one overall seed, uh, who defeated the Gophers 3-1 earlier in the year in Austin. Uh, but Minnesota, as the uh, as the number two seed in that bracket, that number eight overall, gets to host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament at the PAV this weekend. So Minnesota opens with the Southeast Louisiana something Eagles. I, I honestly don't know. Um, the Southeast Louisiana is the winner of the Southland Conference. They've played absolutely nobody. If Minnesota does not win that one 3-0 in, in rapid fashion, they should probably be worried. Um, assuming they win that one, they then will play in the second round Saturday night uh, against the winner of Florida State or Northern Iowa, uh, that game being earlier Friday at the PAV. All three games will air on uh, ESPN+. Plus. So if you're uh, looking for the action this weekend, Friday night and Saturday night, ESPN Plus is where you'll find it. Uh, assuming Minnesota advances and assuming Texas holds serve, which they should, uh, the Gophers would head down to Austin next weekend for the uh, round of 16 and a potential rematch for the third time this year against uh, the third seed in that region, the Ohio State Buckeyes looms in the round of 16. Uh, one other note, the Big Ten announced their uh, awards for volleyball as well. Taylor Landfill, Taylor Landfair excuse me, was named the Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, that makes it three years in a row that the Gophers won the award after Stephanie Samity won back-to-back the last two. Uh, Landfair, the uh, redshirt sophomore, came off of an injury. She's been injury-prone the last couple of years, and she absolutely killed it this year for the Gophers. Uh, led the Big Ten uh, in both points and kills per set, uh, 26 10-plus kill matches, really, really good. Uh, she was joined on the first team uh, by setter Melanie Shaftmaster and middle blocker freshman Carter Booth. Um, C.C. McGraw, the Gophers libero, was named to the second team, and then Booth and uh, fellow freshman McKenna Wusher were both named to the All-Big Ten freshman team. So uh, lots of awards for, for the Gopher volleyball team here today in the conference, and hopefully they can keep uh, the momentum from last weekend going here and uh, send Hugh McCutcheon out of the path with uh, a pair of wins this, this weekend before uh, heading down to Austin, Texas to, uh, to try and see if the Gophers can get back to the uh, Final Four. If you have the ability to go, definitely recommend it. It's a very fun atmosphere. Certainly postseason anything 
is a fun time. It's been a fun time hanging out with these fellas. It's been a fun time hanging out with you. Make sure to check out the Daily Gopher for not just your postseason volleyball facts, but is also basketball, which is heating up and we're choosing not to talk about because they have not been very good on both the men's and the women's side, as well as a variety of other winter sports and, of course, additional football-related content. Until then, go Gophers, sky you ma, row the boat.